My name is Benjamin Pace, and you're listening to the No Content Podcast. And if you happen to be a duck listening to this, you're in a safe space. Welcome to the No Content Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace, and if you couldn't tell, the audio is better. Praise God. <laughs> I've finally been able to get back into a studio setting and with some better recording equipment. Um, if you've been listening to the podcast the past few weeks, um, I've been recording at home, which has been a little bit different. And um, but I didn't didn't let that stop me, and I'm not going to let that stop me in the future. Um, you know, I, I endeavor to be faithful to put out podcasts every week, and unless the Lord specifically impresses on my heart to take a rest or take a break, I, I want to be faithful to do that. And I know there are many times where I have needed a word in season, and I'm glad that the people that preached that week or that weekend didn't decide it was time to take a week off. That they still ministered. And I got something good out of it. So I, my prayer and my hope is that those who listen to the podcast have received good things out of it these past few weeks. And But I'm praising God that we have some better uh, audio quality this week and believing that that will continue. Um, still believing for some of my own equipment to be able to do some things more consistently. But in the meantime, I'm thankful for those who have allowed me to use their equipment and things of that nature. And so uh, it's just great to to have some good quality audio. But anyway, um, I had something on my heart that I wanted to share in this podcast. And I, last week I was talking about distress and how to come out of distress. And I, I was planning on kind of continuing in that. And I, I think I might do that next week. I have some more things on my heart about that that I think is relevant that I need to talk about. But this came up in my heart so strong and I just sensed that there was a grace and an anointing to go this direction. And so I, I want to talk about something that um, it, it has to do with seeing breakthroughs in our life. But it's a very important topic, and I, I want to get into it here. Let me pray, and then we're going to hop right into the Word. Father, I thank you for this podcast. I thank you for the opportunity to minister your Word, Father. I ask that you would help me to communicate the truth of your word in a way that is able and easy to receive. But also, Lord, I pray that you would show me things that I haven't seen yet and, and minister beyond me, Lord, that I would minister beyond myself as I'm given utterance by the Holy Spirit. And Father, I thank you for that, and I thank you that we're going to see light and we're going to come up to a higher level in this podcast, Father, in Jesus' name. Okay. So let, let me start out with this, um, and I may touch on this in some future podcasts as well, but I, I was thinking about the passage in 1 Samuel 30 that talks about David when he came back to Ziklag and found it burned to the ground, and his family was taken away. I mean, his wives, his kids, everything, it was all taken away. And the Bible talks about how David was greatly distressed that day. And we were talking about stress last week and how to come out of distress. And there's a real principle in this passage about how to come up out of distress. And that was originally what I was planning on talking about this week. And I may talk about that next week. We'll see. 
But there's something that I want to highlight in this passage that is how David came out and came out on top is that in uh, verse 7 and 8 of 1 Samuel 30, it says, David inquired of the Lord and asked him, should I pursue this troop and shall I overtake them? And the Lord answered him and said, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail, you will recover all. Now, I want to talk about uh, what it means to recover all. Or another way of saying that is making a full recovery. (laughs) But I think I'm going to save that for next week, unless something changes. Because what I want to emphasize in today's podcast is this part, David inquired of the Lord, and God answered him. See, this is the thing that caused David to recover everything, and to come out on top, and to be able to not only get back what was stolen from him, but more beside. Because he inquired of the Lord, and he heard what God said, and then he did what God said. He asked the Lord, he received an answer from the Lord, and then he acted on what God told him to do. That is the reason why David's story did not end in sorrow and heartache and grief. That is why it had a happy ending, so to speak. That's the reason. And so what I want to talk about today is the breakthrough that comes from asking the Lord, hearing from God, and obeying what He says to you. But there's an element of this that I really feel impressed to zero in on, And that is the hearing from God part, because this is so important. If you can't hear from God, or if you're not able to hear what God's saying to you, then you can't act on it. Now, you can do something, you can act on something, but it won't produce any results. You've got to be able to act on something that God said to you. And in order to do that, you have to be able to hear what God is saying to you. Otherwise, you're just, you're just in the dark. You are, it's a shot in the dark, as they say. Look at this in Matthew eleven fourteen, And this is something that we'll see come up over and over again. It says, if you are willing to receive it, if you are willing to receive it. Now, is this important? Absolutely. If you are willing to receive it, in Hebrews it talks about today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. So you can either receive what God says or not receive it. And it has to do with your willingness. But he said, he's talking about John the Baptist, and he said, if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, the title of today's podcast is Ears That Hear. And Jesus said, if you have ears to hear, then hear. (laughs) He who has ears to hear, let him hear. What's interesting about this phrase is that this phrase literally appears in what people call the New Testament, which is between Matthew and Revelations. This phrase literally appears 15 times 
just between Matthew and Revelation, and I'm not even including variations of the phrase. I'm not talking about things that communicate the same message and idea that are phrased a little bit differently. I'm talking about just that phrase by itself is listed 15 times between Matthew and Revelations. Well, when I look at that and I see that, I say, this is important. Because if you can hear from God and do what He says, you can overcome any challenge. You can come out of any situation. It doesn't matter how bad it is. But on the other side of that, if you find yourself in a state where you don't have ears to hear, or you're not willing to hear, or you refuse to hear what he says, then you're destined to stay where you are and for things to get worse. Now, I know that's an intense thing to say, but it's the truth. And I'm, I'm not going to take time to read all 15 of those scriptures to you. They all say the same thing. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And several of those passages are in the book of Revelations, and it's Jesus talking to his New Testament church. So it is as relevant to us as it can be. Look at this in Proverbs 20, verse 12. And I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. It says, Ears to hear and eyes to see, both are gifts from the Lord. Having ears to hear and eyes to see are gifts from the Lord. Well, why would the Lord give somebody the gift of hearing ears? Why would he... Why would he say, hey, I have a gift for you? It's ears to hear. <laughs> it's eyes to see. Well, why would you give anybody a gift? Why would you give something to somebody? Because you thought they would value it. Would you purposely get somebody a gift that you know they have no value for? You ha they have no desire for. They don't see any profit in having that. They don't enjoy it. They see no value in it. Why would you give somebody a gift like that? And how would you know whether or not somebody valued something? Because you saw how they reacted to it when they were around it, when they looked at it, when they heard it. You know, if they were in the store and they saw a jacket, their response to seeing the jacket would indicate whether or not they valued it. And that would indicate to you whether or not it was a gift worth getting for them. So why would God give us the gift of hearing ears? Because we responded to it before. Are you listening? We responded to it the first time. When God said something to us, when he showed us something, when he gave us light, when he spoke to us, how we responded to that shows him how we would respond to more. Does this make sense? If we don't respond to it, if we don't act on it, if we don't value it, what we're doing is saying, I don't value this, so why would God give you more of what he knows you don't value? So what we do with the revelation God gives us, how we respond to the things that God tells us to do, is going to determine how much more we hear and how much more we see. Let me, let me dive into this a little bit more and explain to you what I mean. In Matthew, uh, I believe we're in the 13th chapter, we're going to read a lot of this. 
In verse 3, Jesus spoke many things to his disciples. Actually, he's speaking to a crowd, and later he's speaking to his disciples. It says, he spoke many things in parables, and he said, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. And then he says it, this is one of the places he says it, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said, Lord, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said, because, watch this, it has been given to you to know. What is this? This is a gift that's been given to them to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has what? Not been given. So they have not been given this gift. Why? Uh, For whoever has to him more will be given. And he will have abundance, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. There's a real truth in that if we don't act on and value the revelation that is given to us, it can get stolen by the enemy. The enemy comes to steal the word. And persecution arises for the sake of the word. We're going to see that here in a minute. So the enemy is interested in getting the word away from you. He is interested in taking away what you have. And if you don't value something and you don't act on it, then you put yourself in a vulnerable position to have it taken away and for you to forget about it. And if that's the case, how can God give you more? if that's how you treated the first thing. And if you receive and act on what you are given, you will understand it. Now, you're going to see this come up in this passage. But when you receive what God says to you, and you receive what he gives to you, and you act on it, you will understand it, and you will receive more. If you don't receive it and don't act on it, you will never fully understand it. You'll never fully grasp it. You'll never fully realize it won't take root in you if you don't act on it. It'll just be an idea that's floating around. But revelation takes root when you act on it. Revelation takes root in you when you do something with it. He went on to say, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear nor do they understand. And he said, Isaiah talked about them. And one of the things Isaiah said is their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Is Jesus interested in healing them? Yes, So is the reason why they haven't received healing because he doesn't want to heal them? No. It's because they closed their ears to him. And they didn't act on what he said to them. It didn't take root in them. 
But he goes on to say, blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. He said, there were a lot of prophets who wanted to see and hear what you saw and heard, but they didn't hear what you hear. They didn't see what you see. He said, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. Anyone who hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed in the stony places is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself. Why did it not take root in him? Because he didn't act on it. He didn't do anything with it. He received it with joy, but it ended there. It didn't produce any fruit. He said he only endures for a little while because when persecution or tribulation arises for the word, immediately he stumbles. Now, we're going to see this a little bit later, and I don't want to get ahead of myself. But why does he stumble when persecution arises? Well, I'll get to that in a second. But it says, he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. He didn't bear any fruit. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some 60, some hundred fold, some 30. So there are things in the world that try to keep us from hearing and receiving and understanding and producing, or let me say it to you this way, reproducing what we heard, to keep us from reproducing what we heard. And reproducing isn't just about repeating, it's about putting the word into practice and fruit being produced as a result. Do you see that? A garden is only as successful as it reproduces what was sown into it. It's not just about repeating, it's about reproducing what you heard, what you received. And there had to be some action in connection with that. James talks about if you hear the word but you don't do it, you will immediately forget and you will become self-deceived as a result. Let me mention this to you. He said... When persecution arises for the word's sake, he immediately stumbles. Why would that be? Look at this in Matthew 7, 24. It says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does them not will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain came, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and great was its fall. Why did it fall? Because he didn't act on it. He heard the word, but he didn't act on it. He said when persecution arises for the word's sake, the person immediately stumbles. Why? You could say the winds blew and beat on the house. And because it didn't take root, because he didn't act on the word, there's no foundation of the word. So when the pressure comes, there's no strong foundation to stand against the pressure. We're going to get more and more into this, what we're talking about here. But when you don't act on the word, 
and you don't do what he said, then you find yourself in this place of limbo with the word. And when you're in this place of limbo with the word, you're, you're on a shaky foundation. And when the pressure comes, you're not going to stand underneath the pressure because you're not on the rock. The rock is not just the word, it's hearing and doing the word. That's what Jesus said. Now, let me switch gears here for a second. We're going to come back to that. But why would somebody become dull of hearing? I'm going to take a drink really quick. I'll let you think about that while I take a drink. Why would somebody become dull of hearing? What would cause that? Well, when you've heard something over and over again, and it never takes root in you because you haven't acted on it, and you never understand it, and it produces no fruit in you, how can God keep sowing seed into ground like that? How can God keep sowing seed into ground like that? If you don't reproduce the original seed, it's foolish to sow more seed. And there is a lot of people who are hearing a lot of stuff, but there's no fruit in their life because they're not acting on it. If ground reproduces the original seed, then a farmer will sow more seed into that ground knowing it will produce. But there are tests of these things. You have to sow a seed and see what happens before you sow a bunch of seed, because if it fails to produce even one seed... It's foolish to keep sowing into that. And this is why many people have found themselves in a state of not receiving more light and more revelation from God. It's because they didn't do anything with what he showed them. He didn't act on it. He didn't put it into practice, and therefore he bore no fruit. Now, it doesn't mean God won't give you a hundred thousand more chances, but if you don't do anything with what he said to you, you're in a place where you're stuck and you're not going to receive more in that area. You may receive light in some other areas, but people find themselves in this place of being stuck because they don't act on what he showed them and what he told them to do. Brother Hagin tells a story of when he was on a bed of sickness and the Lord gave him the revelation about worry and about how worry is a sin. And he told the Lord, he said, Lord, I can't do that. If if I've got to live my whole life without worrying, then there's no point. I can't can't do that, Lord. I can't live without worry. It's too much a part of who I am. I'm just a worrier. My family were worriers. I'm a worrier. And he said from that moment on, he kept reading in the New Testament, but it was like things just got darker and darker. And he didn't really see anything or understand anything. It wasn't light and revelation. Why? because he didn't receive the first thing God showed him. And when he realized that, he went back and he repented and said, Lord, you've been dealing with me about worry, and I repent. And I submit to you, and I I commit to you, Father, that by your grace, I'm not going to worry anymore. Now, that didn't mean he didn't have any more opportunities to worry. (laughs) You understand? But he he didn't override it. He embraced the revelation. Do you understand? It didn't mean... He walked it out perfectly necessarily, but he embraced the revelation. And because he embraced the revelation, God was able to give him more light. But it started with that first revelation. And see, if people override what they see in things and what God showed them, then how can he give them more light? 
And it's true that some people may see some things in one area and not see things in another area. It's not that you won't see anything, but you can't progress in Revelation if you don't receive the first thing. Look at this in Amos chapter 8. I found this verse in the book of Amos, and I thought it was very interesting. In Amos 8 verse 11, it says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will send a famine on the land, but not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but watch this, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east, and they shall run to and fro seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. Oh, man. This is perhaps one of the worst states a person can find themselves in, is feeling like they can't hear from God. Being in a state where you feel like you're not able to hear from God, this is one of the worst states you can find yourself in, where I feel like no matter how much I pray, no matter how much I fast, no matter how much I read my Bible, I can't seem to hear from God. That's not a good place to be. And it's a horrible feeling. Here's something that I saw recently that I, I didn't see before. Because I know when we're getting into this, there, there are some things people may bring up. John chapter 10 tells us that God's sheep, Jesus' sheep, recognize his voice. It says they know my voice. That has to do with recognizing his voice. And in one place, he said, they hear my voice. And as children of God who are born again and born of his spirit, our spirit recognizes his voice because he speaks by the spirit. And it's a, it's a voice that is familiar to our spirit. And every child of God has the ability to hear from God. But the Bible also talks about those who are the maturing sons of God are those who are led by His Spirit. So the ability to hear from God, or even the clarity to hear from God, does come with some maturity. And every child of God, even if they're a baby Christian, has the ability to hear from Him. God will go out of His way to speak to you as a believer. But one of the things we have to, to realize is that just because you recognize His voice does not necessarily mean you are in a position of hearing His voice. And even as a believer, you can find yourself in a position that although you recognize His voice, does not necessarily mean you're listening to Him or that you're hearing what He's saying. And it's a very important truth that as his sheep, you do know his voice, and you should confess that every day. I'm his sheep, and I know his voice. But that doesn't mean you're always in a position to hear what he's saying. This is the example I feel like the Lord impressed upon me. I know my wife's voice. I recognize it. I can recognize it in a heartbeat. If she calls me, if she's in the other room, whatever the case is, I know her voice. I recognize it. And, you know, when she calls my name and, and I hear it, I respond to it. But if I've got my headphones in 
and my wife comes in and starts talking to me, but I've got music blasting in my headphones, does that mean even though I recognize her voice, I can hear her voice? Mm-mm. Why? Because something else is screaming at me. Something else is occupying my ears. And even though I have the ability to hear her, even though I recognize her voice does not necessarily mean I'm in a state to hear what she's saying. And this is something we have to realize because Jesus said over and over again, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said it to believers as well. That means a believer could find themselves in a state of not having ears to hear whether through unwillingness or whether through not giving heed to, not valuing and not acting on what he said to them before. And it can hinder their ability to hear what he's saying to them now. And we are his sheep and we know his voice, but we still have to be intentional about having ears to hear and listening to his voice. And if we don't do that, then it's not God's fault and it's not his part. It's not him that's hindering us from hearing. We have to take the headphones off. (laughs) We have to shut down the noise and tune into his voice. Yes, he's talking to us. And yes, we can recognize it. If we'll take the time to listen, if we will shut everything else down and pay attention. What did he say in Proverbs? My son, pay attention to what I'm saying. Well, why would he need to say that? Because there are so many distractions in this world. There are so many things trying to get our attention and scream at us and yell at us and get us into a place where we're not listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, I want to mention this to you. And this is something that we have to realize that, yes, God is speaking and you can open his word and he can be speaking to you. But at the same time, you know, people say God's always speaking. We're just not always listening. That's not always true. (laughs) Okay. That's not always the case. Because there are times that if you refuse to listen to God, he will stop talking to you for a time. God's not going to push something on you. And again, he's always speaking through his word. But if we won't receive what he's already said to us, we won't get more light. My, my father in the faith, Brother Keith Moore, talks about how when he first started learning how to hear the voice of God, he was looking for something spectacular. And from the way he tells it, the first time he actually heard something from the Lord, the Lord simply spoke to his heart and says, son, I've already said many things to you in my word. Find out what I've already said to you, and if I want to say something else to you, I will. But what is it that would determine whether or not God knew it it was worth saying anything else to us? How we respond to the book. Are you listening? How we treat the book. How we treat what he's already said to us. And yes, God is always speaking because he has already spoken and his words are eternal and they don't change and they don't need an update. 
But at the same time, whether or not he says more to us has to do with how we respond to what he's already said. And this is something we have to realize when we value the word, when we value what he already has said to us, it opens up the door for us to hear more. Look at this in uh, the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel 28, verse 3. I want to give you an example of something. We read in the beginning about how David inquired of the Lord and the Lord answered him. But watch what happened with King Saul. It says, Now Samuel had died, and all Israel had lamented for him and buried him in Ramah in his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the spiritists out of the land. Then the Philistines gathered together and came and encamped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel together, and they encamped at Gilboa. And when Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by the Urim or by the prophets. Why did God not answer him? Why did God not respond to him? Well, it's because Saul didn't receive or act on what God said to him back there with the Amalekites. And when he was rebuked about it by the prophet, he never repented. So how is God going to speak to Saul now by the prophets when he was rebuked by the prophet and didn't repent, and didn't receive what was said, even after he missed it. Listen, we've all missed it. We've all overridden our conscience, but how do you respond when that light comes up to you and you realize that you missed it? Do you make excuses, or do you repent? If Saul had repented here and said, I've, I've, I've done wrong, I'm sorry, from his heart genuinely, then he could have been restored to the Lord, even if the Lord took the crown away from him, he could have still had peace between God. And he never did that. Yeah, he gave a token of outward repentance for the sake of the people, but it wasn't from his heart. And he showed that with his actions. He didn't repent. And he didn't receive. He didn't do what the Lord had said. And he made no effort to make it right after he became aware of the fact that he did wrong. And because of this, he's trying to inquire of the Lord, and he's not getting an answer. Why? Not because God didn't want to speak to him, but it wouldn't have done any good because he had already demonstrated how he would respond to God's instructions under pressure. Now, it doesn't mean it was too late for him. He could have repented, and he could have gotten right with God before his death. But he did it. Instead, he did something else. He said, uh, find me a woman who's a medium that I may go and inquire of her. <laughs> Man, there are a lot of people, even today, who are inquiring of and consulting with psychics and mediums because they wouldn't receive what God said to them. And uh, using psychics and mediums to try and contact their dead relatives when God said, don't do that. You don't need to do that. But if you don't want what God says and you're going to look for something else, now, instead of inquiring of the Lord, 
you're seeking something else. You're seeking a second opinion. <laughs> and it's not a good one. It's, a, it's, a, it's an influence of darkness. It's counsel of darkness. It's literally the counsel of the darkness. So what's that going to produce in your life? More light? No. It's going to produce darkness. And here's the thing that I've come to understand. When God tells you something and you see it, you are now responsible for the light that you have. And a lot of times when God doesn't give people more light in an area, He's actually having mercy on them because if you don't act on what He already gave you and He gives you more light, you're responsible for that and you're going to be held accountable for that. So God's actually having mercy on people by not giving them more light because that would make them even more accountable. And he's saying, just get what I've already given you, get what I've already shown you, (laughs) and then I can give you more. But you're accountable for the light that you have. And people can reject that and go seek other things. They can go uh, seek the opinions of man even, instead of acting on what God showed them. Look at this in Acts 4.18. It says, They called Peter and John... And they told them not to preach or teach in the name of Jesus. And they responded by saying, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot help but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Now, these are rulers. These are people of authority in their community. And they said, listen, we can't do anything else except act on what we've seen and what we've heard. In other words, they knew they had light, they had a commission from Jesus, and they couldn't act like they didn't hear what they heard and see what they saw. And this is something we have to realize. Nobody else is responsible for the light that God gave you. And if you saw it... (laughs) and you were convicted of it, and it's clear to you, God knows that, and you can't blame somebody else for you not acting on it. Come on. (laughs) And it's wonderful for us to have people in our lives that we can go to for advice and for counsel. That's totally of God. I've talked about that a lot, but that does not replace the light that we receive from Him. It may add more light, for us to see more of a fuller perspective of it, but it's not going to replace it. Do you understand? New revelation is not supposed to replace previous revelation. It's supposed to increase it. If there's new light, it's not going to take away or replace the previous light. It's going to add to it. The Old Testament, as some people would call it, there's light in it. And the New Testament, as some people would call it, does not replace the light from the previous chapters in the Bible, it adds to it. Jesus said that I have come to fulfill the law, not replace the law. And love fulfills the law, it doesn't replace it. It shines the light for us to see the full picture of it. Do you understand? It doesn't replace it. And when we see something and we hear something in the scriptures and we're convicted of the truth of it, 
we can get into a state where we go to a person to get their opinion instead of acting what we saw, acting on what we saw. And, and, and now listen, you, you got to rightly divide the word. And it is possible to oversimplify things and not to be diligent to rightly divide the word. But again, if we don't respond correctly with the written word, how's God going to give us more? So when you diligently study the word and you check the context and you make sure that it's what the whole Bible's saying and that's you know confirmed by multiple scriptures and it's clear to you that this is the counsel of the word of God, you do your diligence, you study to show yourself approved, you rightly divide the word of truth. But when you do that and you see a truth and you don't act on it, that is when confusion can set in. And that has to do with your conscience because you know something, you saw something. And if you override your conscience, it can clog up your spiritual ears. Look at this in Second uh, Corinthians 11, verse 3. I know this podcast is a little bit more intense, but don't worry, it's going to get more intense as we go along. <laughs> it says in Second Corinthians eleven three, he said, I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom you have not preached or received, and or has a different spirit or preaches another gospel, you may well put up with it. Why would you put up with some other doctrine? Are some other thing that is not what you received from him and from the word? Why would you put up with some other bizarre spiritual thing? Why would you receive it? Why would you put up with it? Because you allowed yourself to be moved away from the simplicity that's in Christ. Are you listening? You allowed yourself to get away from the simplicity. Bible talks about in Psalm 116 that God preserves the simple. Now, like I said, you can oversimplify things and fail to rightly divide the word of truth. But you got to watch out about when things get complicated. You know, darkness brings confusion. If you're trying to locate something in a room that is dark, it's hard, it's difficult, and it's confusing. You can think you're in one part of the room and then somebody turns on the light and you realize you were on the opposite side of the room. You weren't even near the thing you were looking for. Why? Because, watch this, light simplifies things. Are you listening? Light simplifies things. You're like, oh, there it is. <laughs> somebody sh turns on the light and you can see, you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I, I wasn't even close to what I thought I was you know, trying to find. Light makes things simple. And when things get really complicated, even with rightly dividing the word of truth, it's still light and it's still supposed to be light. You can read another scripture that gives you more light on this scripture and you're like, oh yeah, that's what that means. It makes sense. I see that. Why? Because of the light. But when things start getting confusing and complicated, that's when you got to watch out. And you got to watch out for things that are very clear to you and very simple to you and somebody else coming along and saying, well, it's not as simple as that. It's a little bit more complicated than that. You know, every situation's different. Well, <laughs> watch out. 
Because when things start getting complicated, they start getting compromising. That just came right out of my heart. When things start getting complicated, they start getting compromising. I believe it was Avril Lavigne that said it well. Why did you have to go and make things so complicated? <laughs> you got to watch out about things getting complicated. Look at this in uh, Genesis. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3. We're, we're starting to wrap up. He makes a reference to this in this passage we just read. In Genesis 3, says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of the tree of the garden? What's he doing? He's asking a question about what God said. Did God really say that? And the woman, well, first of all, the woman said to the serpent. That was her first mistake. Her first mistake was engaging in a debate with the serpent. She should have rebuked the serpent and not even had a conversation with him. But that's a whole other thing. She said, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. She's crystal clear on this. It is simple. She knows what God said. But the servant said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your, watch this, eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, what's interesting is that he is dangling in front of her the allure of being enlightened. And yet, what are we talking about? Having eyes to see and ears to hear. But how do we have eyes to see and ears to hear? It has everything to do with how simple we keep things. But the enemy wants to make things really complicated. And he wants to act like the more complicated it gets, the more enlightened you are. And it, that's the opposite of what is true. You know, there's a big movement right now about deconstruction of faith. And you got to watch out about this because your faith does not need to be deconstructed. The Bible says to examine yourself whether you be in the faith. And your faith is your shield. So how can you use a shield that you've taken apart? And this is dangerous. No, you can deconstruct religion. You can deconstruct tradition. You can deconstruct opinion, but you don't need to deconstruct the faith. You don't need to test the faith. Honey, the faith has been tested. The faith has been tried. It's been tested by blood and death and persecution, and it doesn't need your little test. What you need to do is test yourself whether you're in it and whether or not you're operating in real faith. That's what you need. That's what I need. That's what our generation needs. But the enemy's crafty. Jesus told Peter, hey, the enemy is out to get you. He wants to sift you like wheat. He wants to separate you from your faith. But I have prayed for you that your faith would be deconstructed so you could understand what it really means. Absolutely not. He said, I have prayed that your faith fail not. In other words, I want you to be on the rock when the storm comes. Do you see that? And the enemy came and he said, okay, yeah, God said, I'm not supposed to eat the fruit right. Okay, but 
you got to understand what God means. I know God better than you do. Really what God is saying, he's not saying don't eat the fruit. He's just saying that you need to be aware of the influence of the fruit and be careful about how much of the fruit. you. No, no, no. That's not what God said. He said, don't eat the fruit. Don't touch it. And the enemy's trying to complicate things. He's trying to confuse Eve. And it says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, it says she ate and she gave to her husband and the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. It says their eyes were opened, but it wasn't by God. You know, it's possible to be exposed to spiritual things apart from God. And that's not a good thing. But it says they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And watch this. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God. They did what? They hid themselves. Oh, man. A lot of people think that God is hiding himself from them. And there's a truth in that. But in many cases, the reality is their own bothered conscience is causing them to hide themselves from the voice of the presence of the Lord. They know God's voice and they recognize God's voice, but a bothered conscience is causing them to hide themselves. Ah. Keep reading. It says, Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, Where are you? So Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Oh, man. This is what it means to be self-deceived. It's not that God wasn't speaking to him. Like we, we covered the part that talks about times when God's not going to give you more than what you value. But in this case, God is speaking to them, but they just hid themselves from what he was saying to them. Why? Because of a bothered conscience. Because they didn't do what they knew to do. They didn't do what they knew God told them to do or not to do. And because of that, because they have the realization of that and they haven't repented and received forgiveness for it, their conscience is bothered. And so when they hear the voice of God, which they know and recognize, but it's because they recognize it that they know it's the same voice that told me to do this thing I'm not doing. So instead of embracing that voice and drawing near to that voice, they end up hiding themselves from the voice. First John talks about how people, if they say they have no sin, they're self-deceived. And why is that? Because they're not listening. They're hiding themselves from the voice of God. Oh, man. This is a place that we don't want to be. And the way we protect ourselves from this is by not overriding our conscience and overriding the light that he gives us. And it's not complicated, friends. It's not complicated. It's simple, if we'll keep it simple. Let me point this out to you. I'm almost done. In Mark 8, verse, uh, I say I'm almost done. Uh, yeah, I can get there. I'll just move quickly. Mark eight thirteen says, uh, he left them and getting into the boat, he departed and the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Now, a big problem is people forgetting what God said to them. 
That's what it talks about in James. People don't act on the word, so they forget. And it says they forgot to take bread, and they didn't have more than one loaf in the boat. And then Jesus said, take heed and beware of the Pharisees and the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And watch this. They reasoned among themselves, saying it's because we have no bread. And Jesus said, whoa, 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 whoa. Do you not yet perceive or understand? Is your heart still hardened? Do you have eyes but don't see? Watch this. Do you have ears and don't hear? And do you not remember? Uh, He's saying, do you not have ears to hear? And do you not remember? Watch this. When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets did you take up? And they said 12. And he said, when I did the same thing for the others, he said, we took up seven. He said, how is it that you don't understand? What's Jesus saying to them? He said, uh, do you not have ears to hear what I did and said last time? Is this causing you to not be able to hear what I'm saying to you now? That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you forgot what I did and said last time, and that's affecting your ability to hear what I'm saying to you now. You're misinterpreting what I'm saying to you now because you forgot what I said to you then. And this is a big problem. Forgetting what God said to us, forgetting the light that we had because we didn't hold on to it. We didn't value it. We didn't, we didn't cling to it. That can affect our ability to hear and understand what God's saying to us now. And this is a place of darkness that we can find ourselves in. Why? Overriding light. Now, don't be tempted to be condemned about these things. If you realize that there's something that you've done this in an area, honey, it's easy. Just repent and say, Lord, bring that back to me. The Bible says he, he brings all things to our remembrance, whatever he said to us. And you got to realize if you're having trouble hearing from God and, and things seem dark and confusing, you need to go back to the last thing God said to you. And if you don't remember what that is, ask the Lord to bring it back to you and press into it and value it and walk in it. And then you're going to start seeing more. You're going to get more light. It's not too late and, and it's not something to be hopeless over, but we do need to be aware of the truth of this. In Isaiah 50, verse 4, it says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to whom him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. In the Passion Translation, it says, The Lord has equipped me with the anointed, skillful tongue of a teacher to know how to speak a timely word to the weary. It says, He opens my ears to hear His voice, to be trained, to teach. The Lord has opened my ear, and I did not resist. I did not rebel. He opens my ear to hear. You could say He cleans out my ear. (laughs) He digs out my ear. When, when, when you're not rebellious against what he says to you, he opens you to hear more. You are open to hear more. And it's like, have you ever had a stopped up ear before? But when you finally got it out, it's like your ear opened. Maybe you had water in your ear and your ear opened. And it's like, oh my gosh, I can hear now. <laughs> well, that's what it's like spiritually when you act on what God tells you to do. And when you value what he said to you before. 
it, it, it's like it brings you into the place where it's like, oh, now I can hear. <laughs> now I'm hearing things. Why? Because I didn't despise or override what he said to me before. I didn't override the light that I had. Now I've got more light. Now I can hear. It's not complicated. And we do recognize his voice, but we have to ha- allow our ears to be opened. And how did, how did he say, I did it? I didn't rebel. I didn't resist. And, you know, you don't have to wonder whether or not something was God or not, because we do recognize his voice. And when we hear it, we know it. The problem isn't in recognizing God's voice. It's in having ears to hear his voice, being willing to hear. So I just want to pray with you as I end this podcast for things that we need to come back to us. And uh, I'm going to pray over you as you're listening to this for this. Father, I I pray for myself and for everybody who's listening. Lord, I want to value your word, and I believe the people listening want to value your word. Lord, I ask you to bring back to the remembrance of every listener and myself anything that we've overridden, anything that we haven't valued, anything that we saw in the word that was clear to us, that was revelation to us, but that we forgot it, or we set it aside, or we resisted it. Father, I ask you to bring back to us anything that's been overridden so that we can have ears to hear. And Father, we just join in what Isaiah chapter 50 says, Lord, open our ears to hear, and we won't resist and rebel. Awaken our ear to hear. And Father, we thank you that as we walk in the light of what you show us, Lord, we will get more light. In Jesus' name. And anybody that's listening to this, if you've never given your life to the Lord, um, God wants to speak to you. And he's knocking on the door of your heart. But before you can open the door to him, the Bible says you have to hear his voice and then open the door. I want you to know that right now God is speaking to you. And he is saying, open the door to me. He's not going to force you to do it, but if you will open the door to him and you will act on the reality and the revelation that he is the son of God and he is the savior of the world, he is the one who died and rose again. If you will act on that and you will receive it and you will open the door to him and say, I invite you in right now, if you will do that, the Bible says he will come in and he will sup with you. And he will change your life. If you've never done that, don't put it off another day. Open the door to him, and he will save you. He will transform your life. Amen. Glory to God. Hey, I hope you got something good out of this podcast today, and I will talk to you the next time you click play. Thanks again for listening to the No Content Podcast. Remember that Jesus loves you, he loves everyone else, and please don't forget to feed the ducks. <laughs>